Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Monday, August 5th, 2019. This is Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Miami, Florida, site of the annual National Association of Black Journalists Convention. Coming up today, folks, on today's show, a weekend filled with tragedy in El Paso, Texas, in Dayton, Ohio, where nearly 30, well, more than 30 people were killed by homegrown white domestic terrorists. We'll hear from Congressman Benny Thompson about how serious the problem is. We'll also show you the comments today from 
Donald Trump, which he did nothing to allay the fears of Americans who are angry about white domestic terrorism. Also, one of the heroes in El Paso was a black soldier who went into the mall to save children. You'll hear his reason why. And again, we'll break this whole thing down with our panel. Will Congress finally do something about the issue of gun control in this country? Well, we'll see. Plus, black women in California are feeling marginalized by the California Democratic Party, and they're pushing for more clout. Folks, it's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. weekend all across America where white domestic terrorists again murdered multiple Americans in El Paso, Texas. 22 people are dead in the shopping mall shooting that took place there. The shooter is facing hate crime as well as capital murder charges. That night in Dayton, Ohio, nine people gunned down in a bar, most of them African Americans. The shooter in that case is dead. The El Paso white domestic terrorists left a manifesto describing hate for the Mexicans taking over Texas. He drove hours from his home in Allen, Texas to El Paso to commit the crime. Talk about stunning in Dayton, Ohio. Same thing, a white domestic terrorist shoots up a popular bar. Seen there, folks were having lots of fun. Then he opens gunfire with a huge capacity, firing weapons. He was killed as he tried to run into the bar by police. What is going on in this country when it comes to white domestic terrorists? This morning on the Tom Jonah Morning Show, I talked with Congressman Benny Thompson, chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security, and he talked about how serious the problem is when it comes to white domestic terrorists. Well, uh, good morning to you, Roland. Uh, let me tell you, it's real serious. For instance, for a long time in this country, uh, we were led to believe that the most dangerous element in terms of terrorists was Muslim terrorists. Uh, one of the reasons is the FBI stopped producing uh, the data. Uh, we now, uh, through testimony, uh, as well as on July 23rd, uh, the FBI director said domestic terrorism is the number one danger in the United States of America. But stop right there, Congressman. Right there, Congressman. Congressman, he said yes. domestic terrorism. Why yes. won't they call this white domestic terrorism? Well, uh, you know what the problem is. We have somebody in the White House who's absolutely in denial. Uh, he says he's a nationalist. So we have a real problem. What we have more importantly, as you know, is we have a number of deaths 
that are occurring all over the country. Uh, what we had over the weekend uh, is just the the explosion of the the episodes that have been going on. So what we're trying to do is next week, uh, my committee is going to have a series of hearings in Washington uh, highlighting uh, what's going on in the country. Uh, we're going to invite the FBI. We're going to invite uh, the mayors of Dayton and, and El Paso and other parts of the country to come and talk to us, as well as advocates uh, who want to look at this subject. And let's come up with some real solutions to the problems. Congressman, everybody keeps, everybody keeps saying right now mental illness, mental illness, but Donald Trump overturned an Obama rule that made it harder for folks with mental illness to get guns. The House well, actually passed the House passed a universal background bill. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell won't even take it up. I said, I just tweeted this. I said I have absolutely no confidence that the Republican Party, Trump, the GOP chairwoman, Rona McDaniel, McConnell, any of these people want to do a damn thing about guns because they are owned, they are wholly owned subsidiary of the NRA. Well, you're absolutely correct. If you look at McConnell's record, uh, he's clearly said he's not going to bring any of those issues up. Uh, the Trump administration made it legal for people who are uh, adjudicated mentally ill to buy guns. You know, that is uh, unfortunate in this country. And that puts some 80,000 more people out here potentially who can buy guns with who have been diagnosed with an issue of mental illness. Apart from that, Roland, we have some other issues out here in terms of the military-style assault weapons being legal, uh, the, the clips in the guns, uh, the large magazines. All those a hundred, a hundred rounds of the guys who kill largely African Americans in Dayton. I mean, there's no reason why an average citizen should be walking around with weapons that should be reserved for the battlefields. Oh no, no, and you can't say. Uh, that's a hunter. You leaving your right to battle? No, no, no. He don't. He don't. No, he was a hunter. He was hunting people. people. Absolutely, absolutely. But the, the the notion is that when you do that, you're denying me my rights. Well, at some point, when the rights infringe on rights of others, government has to step in. So clearly, we're moving. We're gonna hold the hearing. Uh, we're gonna talk about this issue, and we plan to move it forward. But the real challenge is whether or not uh, this country can demand that the powers to be in Washington do something. We can make those assault weapons illegal. We can say that you can't buy a gun if you have a criminal record. We can do a lot of things that we have not been able to do. Congressman, can you do this without the Republicans? Can anything be done between now and Election Day beyond voting them out of office can be done to change some of this? Well, unfortunately, no. we're going to have to take it to the people. We're going to have to take it to the streets and say, look, if you want to fix this, then you're going to have to put people in office who are willing to do it. Uh, we can't get anything over on the Senate side. Simple things that can fix. We can't get it done. So that's why people absolutely need to be focused on next year. Get fired let up. me be let me be as explicit as possible. White people are going to have a take to the streets and demand Republicans step up. That's what's absolutely. gonna have to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And <sighs> and when do, will your committee meet, Congressman? Well, we're we're scheduled Wednesday and Thursday of next week uh, in Washington. We will announce it this afternoon publicly, and we want everybody uh, within the sound of our voice to please come to Washington, uh, tune in to the hearing, and you will see all the facts. All right. Congressman Benny Thompson, Chair of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, House Committee. We appreciate it. Thanks for life. Thank you, brother. And now, folks, date. Sister, the shooter wore a mask, a bulletproof vest, and hearing protection when he opened. Folks in this country, white supremacists commit nearly three out of four murderous terrorist acts. White supremacist groups in America have jumped 30 percent in the last four years, and the number of hate crimes in America has increased three years in a row. Well, also, folks, uh, it was uh, quite chaotic there. The scene in Dayton was very chaotic, as shown on this surveillance video. Fortunately, the shooter, as we said, was killed before he had a chance to do more damage. Uh, these are also the pictures of the people who lost their lives at night. This right here is a surveillance video as folks were running out of that bar in Dayton, Ohio, fleeing the gunman. Uh, it was, uh, again, quite sad uh, to see that actually take place. Uh, just an unbelievable scene there in Dayton, Ohio, uh, as people were running for their lives. As we said, nine people shot and killed in Dayton, Ohio, including the sister of the gunman. Now, police have not said whether or not there's any link uh, as to whether he was targeting his, whether he was, um, again, targeting someone else there. They don't know that. Uh, but that was happening there in El Paso. A shopper in the mall was able to shoot some video that showed just how frightening the situation was at that mass shooting in El Paso. Man, this shit fucking crazy. I got my fucking gun. Motherfuckers busting guns in Walmart right now. AK, somebody's got shot. Fuck. It's got an AK. Nearly hit my ear. One of the heroes of the El Paso shooting was Army uh, Private First Class Glendon Oakley Jr., who tried to save the lives of the children in the mall. Here's what he had to say. I want to clarify what I did was what I was supposed to do. I don't I understand it was heroic and uh, I'm looked at as a hero for it, but that's, that wasn't the reason for me. I'm just focused on the kids that were, I could not get in the families that were lost because it's, it hurts me. Like, I lost, like, they were part of me. I don't even know the people that, that died or the kids that, that, I, um, that I took with me. I want to reach out to the families that were lost and the families that lost their children because the focus should not be on me. It should be on the world and what happened in Ohio and the people that what happened in Chicago and what happened yesterday. It should not be on me. I, I know what I did was heroic, but I'm more focused on the families that were lost and the kids that died and the people that died. All right, folks, again, uh
today, uh, after he pretty much ignored this issue yesterday on social media, uh, he was caught taking selfies at a wedding at his club in New Jersey. Donald Trump held a news conference where he spoke about the tragedy. The First Lady and I join all Americans in praying and grieving for the victims, their families, and the survivors. We are a loving nation, and our children are entitled to grow up in a just, peaceful, and loving society. The shooter in El Paso posted a manifesto online consumed by racist hate. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister ideologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America. Hatred warps the mind, ravages the heart, and devours the soul. The perils of the Internet and social media cannot be ignored, and they will not be ignored. That is why I have called for red flag laws, also known as extreme risk protection orders. Today, I'm also directing the Department of Justice to propose legislation ensuring that those who commit hate crimes and mass murders face the death penalty and that this capital punishment be delivered quickly, decisively, and without years of needless delay. These are just a few of the areas of cooperation that we can pursue. I am open and ready to listen and discuss all ideas that will actually work and make a very big difference. May God bless the memory of those who perished in Toledo. May God protect them. May God protect all of those from Texas to Ohio. May God bless the victims and their families. May God bless America. Thank you very much. Y'all, Donald Trump actually said, God bless the people of Toledo. Folks, he was reading from a teleprompter. The shooting took place in Dayton, Ohio. If you want to understand how this president doesn't care about these issues, he spoke for about 10 minutes. Not one time did he say he was going to do something about gun control. Not one time did he say he was going to call on Senate Majority Leaker, Leader Mitch McConnell to take up extend, expansive background checks. It's already passed the House. What you have is a Republican Party, as I said on the Tom Jonah Morning Show, that is a, frankly, a subsidiary of the National Rifle Association. This is a party that actually has done nothing. It is a party that has no desire, no interest to do anything about mass shootings in the United States. There's no way in the world any of us can trust the Republican Party on this issue. They did nothing after Sandy Hook. They did nothing after the shooting in Orlando. They have done nothing in this case. But keep in mind, you have Donald Trump when that was a shooting in California, San Bernardino, he was quick to go on television networks condemnly condemning Muslim extremists. Yet he could not bring himself 
to say a damn thing about the white domestic terrorists in these shootings because even his former communications director, Anthony Scaramucci, said today on television the reason he won't is because that is his base. This, folks, is a man who has no business being in the Oval Office. Joining me right now my panel, Dr. Avis Jones-DeWeaver, leadership uh, uh, strategist, political analyst, also Erica Savage-Wilson, host of Savage Politics Podcast, and Hani Garabiara, policy advisor, human rights advocate as well. Um, Erica, I want to start with you. When I look at this, when I look at what happened, it, it is stunning to look at a party that will do nothing, that will do nothing about this. They will be silent. They will offer thoughts and prayers. They'll post up on social media, but they will do nothing. Absolutely. And for anybody to expect for them to do anything, it will only come by way of public demand. I am here to let everyone know today, as you have done and all of us have done in our respective um, places, that listen, this is the time for really the public outcry for democracy is more imperative. This um, lockstep that Republicans have with the NRA, it didn't just start in the 2000s. This is something that has been happening for decades. And what we are seeing is that Republicans are really, it's just really the wolf really taking off all of his clothing so we can see who he actually is, is that Republicans are now being revealed as really the money-hungry, non-family-oriented party that they are. And that because they are so drawn to authoritarian authoritarianism, that they are definitely going to continue to be in lockstep with this Republican White House occupant. So I, for me, this is really a clarion call, really, for folks to understand that their voices matter, um, not just in um, national conversations, but at the, the local level. And so this is where people can be the most functional, is that really to push their legislatures at the state level to do things, because those then calls from the state level then funnel up to the federal as well. But as far as the Republican Party um, is involved for black and brown folks, this is something that we've been very familiar with for um, several decades now. Honey, black folks are very familiar with white domestic terrorists. And frankly, uh, you have an administration that doesn't even want to use that phrase. They don't even want to say those words. You have mainstream media who's decided to finally uh, wake the hell up and say what we have, as, that we've known for quite some time, that the greatest threat of terrorism in the United States are white men, and these white men are listening to the rhetoric of Donald Trump. You can hear echoes of Donald Trump in that manifesto of the El Paso shooter, and it is undeniable. I completely agree, Roland. And the fact of the matter is that we go to countries all the time with ideologies that we do not believe in. So uh, what we need to figure out is what is possessing these young children, which the kids, to come to do the things that they're that they're doing. And also, I was born in Somalia. And I remember a mul multiple people getting killed. And with those, they used AKAs. Klitschkoffs are, are war weapons. So these kids, these people who believe in the ideology of Donald Trump are at war. We have to admit that we are at war with white supremacy. So what are we going to do? 
favor it's that particular point in terms of what are we going to do you have to have members of congress who are going to take action you've got to have a department of justice who is going to get aggressive i read one story where a former fbi official said that fbi agents are loath or scared to go after white supremacists because that's Donald Trump base and they don't want to tick him off. That's what we're now dealing with. Well, exactly. And we also have to remember that one of the very first things this administration did when it came into office, in addition to rolling back uh, the the law that was in place regarding uh, not making not making available guns to people who are mentally ill, uh, this administration also gutted a program that was specifically meant to be able to target domestic terrorist and white supremacist organizations. It specifically gutted that as one of its first acts as an administration. And so from day one, this administration has intentionally looked the other way while this threat has ticked up each and every year Donald Trump has been on the scene. It knows what it is doing. I want to tell you, we have a radicalizer in chief in the White House. To me, Donald Trump is as much a radicalizer of these grown men, because they were 21 plus years old who did this, okay? When our 14 year old kids are somehow thought of as, as grown, okay? These are adults who made the decision to murder people. And we have seen in each and every year since he has been in office, not only a big growth in the number of hate crime, hate groups in this nation, it's drawn 30% since he's been on the political scene, but we've also seen a year over year increase in the number of hate crimes in America. And so this is a dangerous and deadly group of citizens who are murdering citizens of color with impunity, and they are doing it lock and step with the rhetoric of the radicalizer-in-chief that currently inhabits the White House. Absolutely. Er Erica, for yeah. 10 years now, I have been saying white fear, yeah. white fear, white fear. Yeah. I have said that this is the age of white minority resistance. Yeah. What you are seeing from these white domestic terrorists, you are seeing people who do not like the fact that America is changing. They have operated where America was a white country. And now all of a sudden, it's, oh my God, look at these people. Oh, look who's coming in. We don't want these people here. Donald Trump has sent the signals to him we don't want people of color. He is called African nation shithole countries. He has tried to send Liberians back, Haitians back, Sudanese back. He has tried to, he has said, why can't we get more people essentially from white countries like Sweden? This is this man speaking directly to the white fear of a changing America. Absolutely, and as Dr. Avis said it, um, he is definitely the radicalizer in chief. He is radicalizing these groups. And another thing I think is very important for us to hone in on is what you said, Roland. You spent 10 years talking about white fear. And then when we start breaking out this whole immigrant piece, um, as you pointed out, the difference between um, immigrants, depending on where they're coming from, um, and, and so that determines, like, you know, what their skin is going to be like. 
I think it's also really important that we're talking about this and framing to understand that. So understanding that it's not necessarily immigrants, it's actually people's skin color. And I think that is what has been very frustrating, that there has been this um, come to reconciliation. Oh, gosh, the black and brown people were right for all of these years about Donald Trump happening all day today on national programming, it was very, very upsetting because we have been saying this not just for days, not just since 2016, not just since 2015, but for years. And so again, I go back to um, saying back to the viewers and to the audience and hoping that people will share this out is that, listen, this is the time for public outcry, that we have a Congress that may be out for five weeks that's up in the air right now. It is incumbent on all of us, voters or not, if you are living in this country, you are impacted by all of these policies, to contact your legislators, their district offices, if they are not going to be returning back to D.C. to make a decision about better gun legislation um, and just really to make some forcing the um, forcing the Republicans to do something to Democrats as well, is that we are going to be having this conversation several months down the road. So I would like to implore people to actually be very, very um, interactive, engaged in your local politics, your politics right now, because all politics really is local right now, especially with these tragedies. Um, uh, honey, before I go to you, I, I want to play for our folks. Again, I love all these conservatives who say, oh, no, you shouldn't hold Donald Trump for these things. You shouldn't do any of these. Folks, this is a video of Donald Trump at his own rallies in his own words. I don't know if I'll do the fighting myself or if other people will. Maybe he should have been roughed up because it was absolutely disgusting what he was doing. If you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of him, would you? Seriously. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. Try not to hurt him. If you do, I'll defend you in court. Don't worry about it. In the good old days, this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very, very rough. And when they protested once, you know, they would not do it again so easily. We've become weak. We've become weak. And you know what? The audience swung back. And I thought it was very, very appropriate. The audience hit back. And that's what we need a little bit more of now. Part of the problem and part of the reason it takes so long is nobody wants to hurt each other anymore, right? Honey, we've got to call this what it is. And what it is, is white folks in America. You can sprinkle in some black folks. Um, you could talk about 20, 25% of Latinos. But white folks in America, they got to own this. They voted for this man. They voted for this thug. They voted for this rhetoric. And when he attacks uh, immigrants, when he attacks people, people of color who come into this country, what he is saying is, I want to see white people in America, and he is throwing red meat, and you got a whole generation now of young white men listening to Donald Trump saying, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. He's saying what I want to hear. That's what's going on here. Donald Trump cares more about votes than he cares about lives. He has blood on his hands at this particular time. And what he needs to say is that this is white supremacy, 
there's a danger happening and that our country needs to come together. And what is so funny is in the video that you showed earlier, he couldn't even remember the events where they took place. Oh, it's Toledo. His tone is very different when he's talking about for when he's riling up his base, he's energetic, he's enthusiastic. But when it's when tragedies happen, it's not even the same person. So what we need to what we need to say is, you know, Mr. President, you're doing a disservice to all of us. And you are, quite frankly, dangerous. And then that you're also riling up these these this youth um, and we need to figure out what we what we really need to do right now. Well, the reality is he knows that his hateful speech is resonating among white voters. And that's why he is going to continue it. And that's why our responsibility has to end. The only way we can respond to this is to operate by saying we're going to throw this man out of office mm -hmm. and Avis we are at a we're at an inflection point I am no longer interested in these bullshit journalists on mainstream media giving this man a past I am sick of this talk of he sounded presidential I am sick of these people uh, who are happy with the entertainment that he's delivering I'm tired of it. And that somebody has to call these people into account. Somebody has to say enough of this. You have these idiots on Fox News defending every single move because that network is built to appeal to the fear of white voters. And what you're dealing with are these older white voters, and I keep I, I will pound the table consistently that this is white fear, that everything about what's happening today is about 2043. And Avis, I need people to stop acting as if it's going to go away if Trump is gone, Joe mm -hmm. Biden. Oh it God. is not. Oh this so is true. going to be with us from now until who knows when, because white people in America simply cannot handle not having power history shows you they were fearful fearful they were fearful of black people after the civil war they were fearful of black people after world war one they were fearful of black people after world war two everything lynchings were about black folks getting too much economic power that's what the right to vote at every juncture in America. When they tried to stop it, it was because how they did get power. Buckle up, black people. Buckle up, Latinos. Buckle up, immigrants. We are in a place where America was about creating a white nation, and people cannot handle that. So you better get used to more of this. I hate to say that, but trust me. This is not going to be the last mass shooting where people of color are being targeted by white male domestic terrorists. Avis. Absolutely. What we're witnessing right now is fascism in real time. It's not so much that they're afraid of black people in terms of we're something to be fearful of. It's they're afraid of losing the unearned advantage of whiteness 
once they become a minority in this population. They are afraid of having to actually compete based on a level playing field, a more level playing field. Yeah. They are afraid because they know that unless the thumb, a thumb is on the scale in their favor, they, they might win. not be as good, yes, and yes, in many yes. circumstances, they aren't as good. Yeah. And so they want to continue to have that unfair advantage that they have had from day one in this country yep. for centuries moving forward. And they will do anything in order to protect that unearned advantage, including embracing authoritarianism, including embracing fascism, including embracing violence and including embracing someone who clearly personifies each and every one of those attributes. Yeah. Erica, I, I, I'm saying this because I need us to be prepared. Yeah. I'm not calling this a race war, but I have to get let people know that this is the 100th anniversary of the disastrous Chicago. fatal riots in Chicago. Yes. What we are seeing is the same thing. And I'm telling you, if Trump keeps talking about invasion, 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 what he is what he's essentially doing is saying, white people, watch out, beware. Here they come. Take cover. Right. Right. But these people are armed, they are malicious, they they are in our police departments, yep. they are in the United States military, yep. and we better pay attention, and it's time for the FBI mm. to get serious about this. You heard Congressman Benny Thompson say there's going to be hearings next week. Right. We had better understand what is going on here. White folks are going to use the barrel of a gun to hold on the power, Erica. Oh, absolutely. And so second amenders are coming out fast, heavy, and strong. I, it was interesting. I was reading a piece very recently where um, there was um, a white journalist that talked about how he'd actually been trying to um, um, put together a piece and have it published around concerns about militia groups that you, we've heard of in Montana and Oregon and things of that nature. So here's the story when, you know, those camp, those people that were in those camps that, you know, said that, you know, of course, we know that racism isn't dead, but that we're in this post-racial society. All of those individuals that really worked very hard to mute the concerns that Dr. Avis raised, the very real things that are happening. You brought up the Red Summer that happened in Chicago in 1919. Um, you also have this is the 400th year commemorating um, uh, an enslaved African being brought to this nation. There is a lot that's happening this year. So I'm 100 percent in with you, Roland, that this is what needs to happen. People need to make their focus not about the reality show that is happening, that we were very, very adamant that we knew it was going to happen when he actually got in office because it was walking and talking, but also understand what their power is, understanding um, what it means for them to understand the laws around their person, their property. This is not the time to be passing around sound bites saying that, well, people are going to do what they want to do in, um, anyway. This is the time to be purposefully engaged and not just a political process saying that you're either Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Libertarian, or that you're an independent, but to understand what your rights are, to understand what governs this nation, and to also understand that you mentioned all those different 
um, places that we see white supremacists holding court. Well, we also see it around the Department of Justice with William Barr. So folks need to be very, very learned in this hour. They need to invest in programming such as this because what we're seeing right now is not the manifestation of just a Trump presidency. What we're seeing is the man manifestation of a consolidation of white power that um, when we saw the exodus of um, white Southerners from the Democratic Party, that that was not just a sign, but that was just kind of like um, letting folks know of things to come. Honey, you had this idiot Candace Owens who testified before Congress saying, oh, the left, they just use these terms, white nationalism, white supremacy, those things don't exist. Of course they Exhibit A, El Paso, <laughs> Exhibit B, Dayton, Ohio. Of course, like th that is the fabric of this country white nationalism, white supremacy. And it's, I just don't understand how people don't understand what is, what is going on and why we haven't found solutions yet. When I was going to work today, I noticed that all of the flags were half-staffed. This country cares more about symbolism than they do about solutions. Mm -hmm. So let us have a solution. What are the solutions? Congress needs to get involved, but people care again more about votes than they care about lives. And that needs to, to stop. And we need to be firm about this and say white nationalism exists, white supremacy exists, and it's dangerous. And we, Roland, we are in a race war. There have been comp a lot of studies with even the ADL said that there is a, a, a race war happening in our country. Just because, you know, war, I've, I, I know how, what war is about. Just because you don't see drones, just because you don't see military armor, War is could be also words. That is how most wars are started with words, and that is what the president is doing. Yeah. All right, folks, got to go to a break right now. Uh, we'll be back in a moment on Roller Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Miami, Florida, site of the National Association of Black Journalists Annual Convention. Back in a moment. Go check out Roller Martin Unfiltered, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roller Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Hey guys, you've heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org. Why? Because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We've all watched the growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at over $340 billion. We know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all of the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the United States and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S., making it one, making it one of the largest commodities worldwide. Folks, they need land to grow all of the plants, and this is where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed paying tenants. That's right, they are hemp CBD landlords. And you can get in on the action. Now, my friends at 420 Real Estate decided to do something special for the Roland Martin Unfiltered family. Originally, the minimum investment 
was 500 bucks. But now you can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as $200. That's right, 200 bucks up to $10,000. Again, this is a $340 billion global industry that is still growing. And you can participate with as little as 200 bucks. To invest, go to marijuanastock.org. That's marijuanastock.org. Get in the game and do it now. now folks, in California, uh, black women, they are pushing for more representation in the California Democratic Party. Last November's election gave us the most racially diverse Congress in history, but there's still a long way to go. Let's talk about what's happening in California with Kimberly Ellis, a progressive activist from the Bay Area who ran to be chair of the Democratic Party there. She lost, but it is uh, being firing those sisters up. Uh, Kimberly, glad to have you here. Uh, we were uh, discussing, uh, of course, the role that black women have been playing in politics um, and about leadership positions. The L.A. Times did a story talking about what's happening there in California, where black women are saying that although they comprise, although African Americans comprise a small number of people in the state, they actually have more black people uh, who are Democrats in California than some other cities and some other states. Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy uh, your show. I really enjoyed the last segment that you were just uh, uh, engaged in. Um, California, because of the, the size of the state, 40 million people live here. It is the most populous state in the nation. It is also the most diverse state in the nation. And because of that, uh, the African-Americans uh, who live here, although uh, percentage-wise comprise a small percent, uh, about 6%, uh, because of the, the size of the state, um, it is in actuality one of the largest concentrations of African-Americans in the country. And when you talk about that, when you talk about, again, the importance of having black women in power, the reality is, and again, you take the last conversation, we have a totally different view of America. Black folks, we see things totally different. We saw this white domestic terrorism long before other folks did, let's say, for the last 400 years. Uh, but when you talk about where the party needs to be, when you talk about outreach, when you talk about uh, the need to be able to grow it in a different way, the Democratic Party needs to have black people at the table. And I've been saying the same thing in the school choice movement. I'm like, look, you can't have white folks uh, controlling the whole apparatus when the majority of kids in public schools today are black and brown. It's the same thing in the Democratic Party. Absolutely, absolutely. And for far too long, uh, many of us believe that the uh, Democratic Party has been carrying the mantle uh, of the party of diversity, the party of women, the party of uh, people of color, uh, the party of African Americans, uh, and has, uh, in many respects, um, talked a good game. Uh, but not really walk the walk. And um, as was mentioned before, uh, I ran for chair of the California Democratic Party uh, two years ago uh, in 2017, and that campaign really um, had a, a, a slogan that we needed to redefine what it meant to be a Democrat, because there were many of us who believed that the Democratic Party as an institution and too many of our elected officials had forgotten what it meant to be a Democrat, had forgotten that our party was supposed to be the party of the poor, the party of the working class, the party that believed in reaching back and pulling people up. Um, I ran again for that position uh, just a few months ago, 
because uh, the person who won two years ago had to resign because of uh, sexual assault uh, accusations. And so I ran this time uh, on the premise that we needed a party of substance, style, and solidarity a party that was not going to just talk about our values, but live our values, and a party that was going to do more, be more, and mean more in people's everyday lives, a party that was going to be relevant, and a party that didn't just talk about the need to invest in communities of color, especially in including the African-American community, but a party that actually did invest uh, in those communities. And there is a big disconnect, we found, between what the party is saying it does and what the party is actually doing to support communities of color, uh, including the black community. I want to bring in my panel with some questions. Erica Savage, first off, I uh, got a question. You have a question? Yes, I do. Thank you, Roland, and thank you, Kimberly, for joining us. My question to you is, um, do you plan to, well, first thing is, do you plan on seeking office um, again in the near future? And if so, what office are you looking to um, run for? Yeah. Well, you know, when I ran initially two years ago, uh, the position was never something that was on my radar. And I think that is true of most women who run for office, especially most yeah. women of color and especially black women. Um, they, we are recruited to run. We are asked to run. And, and I used to run an organization called Emerge California for seven years. I was the executive director. And I know uh, that research shows that women have to be asked on average about seven times before they will consider running for office. So uh, this was something that was never on my radar. And the, the reason why I decided to run for it was not so much because of what the chair of the party did, but because of what the chair of the party could do. In many ways, this was about redefining that position. It was about making the position less of a figurehead and more of an activist uh, chair that rolled up the sleeves, got into the community, and really connected the dots uh, as to how politics touches every single aspect of our lives uh, and to make the party relevant in people's everyday lives. And so all of that to say, uh, I wasn't intending to run the first time. Um, I certainly don't... Uh, uh, um, count it out in terms of running uh, in the future. Uh, if I do, it will have to be a position that really uh, speaks to me in terms of uh, the actual job itself. Uh, and at the end of the day, how we are using uh, politics uh, to uh, to do good and to help others. For me, that really is the definition of politics and what we, our elected officials, should be using the power, the money, the influence, and the position to do uh, to help people. Uh, Avis. Yes, well, thanks so much for joining us. This is really an important discussion. Um, as, as you've mentioned, Kimberly, uh, black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party, but when it comes to actually being in positions of leadership, we're woefully underrepresented when you contextualize that against how much we contribute to the party actually being able to win elections, right? And so what would you suggest uh, that black women do to better consolidate our power uh, such that we might have more ability uh, to actually get into leadership positions within this power, within the within the party itself, and also when seats uh, uh, in terms of various different um, political offices across the country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that we talked very uh, frankly about was that uh, black women are not just the backbone of this party, uh, but this party cannot win without us. Uh, the uh, Democratic nominee uh, for president will not be able to win uh, against Trump without the very enthusiastic support 
of women of color with black women at the vanguard. Uh, and so we understand, many of us, uh, our power. Uh, and it's time for us to start flexing that power. And so what I would suggest we do is to not be so quick to give away our loyalties, our vote, our endorsement, and our support uh, to the Democratic Party or to elected officials. Uh, they should be required to earn that support um, uh, like other communities uh, require. And so uh, we also need to look at uh, perhaps organizing uh, outside uh, of the party. Uh, I certainly believe that these uh, days and times really call for us to, as, as one of uh, the panelists uh, was saying before, to be very learned uh, and to recognize our power uh, and our position uh, and not be afraid to, to flex that. All right, honey, last question. Are there any candidates that you currently think that would be beneficial to us as a community, especially black women? Because many of, uh, of them want our votes, but they, you know, they really do not have solutions to our problems. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as someone who spent almost a decade recruiting, training, and supporting Democratic women to run for office, uh, I'll be the first to say we need more black women running for office. Uh, we need not and should not wait to be asked. Uh, we need to uh, throw our hats in the ring, uh, and understanding that our voice and our life experiences are desperately needed right now, uh, as well as our leadership. Um, in terms of uh, candidates, uh, presidential candidates, uh, I have a lot of issues that I uh, am really passionate about, but I believe very strongly that the next uh, nominee uh, should absolutely be talking very directly about the issues impacting all communities, especially uh, the African-American communities. And I'm also not interested in any candidate that is not talking about supporting uh, reparations uh, for mm. African-Americans in this country. All right, then. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much uh, for joining us uh, for this conversation. Uh, and uh, certainly good luck, Kimberly Ellis. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks, going to a break. We'll be, we'll be back on Roland Martin Unfiltered in just a moment. None of us are responsible for our birth. Our responsibility is the use we make of life. Novelist and newspaper person, Joshua Henry Jones. All right, folks, our HBCU Giving Day School today, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Of course, located in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, founded in 1873. Notable graduates include, include Smokey Norfolk, Teron Armstead, Danny K. Davis, and Don Zimmerman. If you want to support University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, go to uapb.edu. That's uapb.edu. All right, folks, uh, to uh, our panel here, what uh, was interesting to me, uh, in terms of what we've witnessed, what we've witnessed uh, in the last uh, couple of days. Uh, what we are seeing here is really, I think, the greatest contrast between two political parties. On one hand, you have a Republican Party that will do nothing when it comes to guns, when it comes to gun violence. 
who they have prevented um, the, the, uh, the federal government from even compiling stats on gun violence. Then the Democratic Party who understands you must be able to do something. And, and, and I, I love these people, Avis, and I'm being very facetious, who say, oh, well, a background check will do nothing. Eliminating these guns will do nothing. Changing the size of magazines will do nothing. Well, damn it, you can do If it saves one life, it sure as hell is worth it. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, obviously the lowest hanging fruit uh, is around the background check since there's already been a bill that's been passed out of the House. But I would certainly love to see the Democrats show a bit more courage here and swing for the fences. Uh, let, let's just be very real about this. The, the fact that you have people who are able to get weapons uh, that uh, could really only belong on the battlefield, where someone could literally murder nine people and injure 20 people in less than 30 seconds, in less than 30 seconds, no civilian should have access to this type of weaponry. We need to look at how we can ban these types of assault rifle, rifles that do not belong in the hands of actual uh, civilians. Yes, the minimal thing that we could do would be the background checks, but for these two specific incidents, those two individuals would have passed the background check because they did not have any felonies. We need to take the instrument of death out of their hands that do not belong anywhere except for on a battlefield. Uh, honey, again, I think when you, when you look at where we are, and when you look at a, a, a party that just is clueless. In fact, I was uh, I had retweeted this earlier. Uh, a Republican in, in Nebraska, a state lawmaker, he basically eviscerated his own party for their cowardice, for their lack of courage when it comes to gun violence. And I, I guess we should have known after Sandy Hook, if little kids could be slaughtered and they still do nothing, they don't care because they are deathly afraid of the NRA. Exactly. That's their votes and their money. That is what matters to the Republican Party, not the lives. If, if we're in a country where kids can get slaughtered, where a congresswoman can almost be killed and nothing changes, what does that say about this party? And they care so much about lives and their they're pro-choice, I mean pro-life, but yet they don't, they really do not care about the lives that really, that matter currently right now and what's happening. So what we need to say is to the Republican Party, what do you really care about? Do you care about votes? Do you care about money? Or do you care about the lives of people? And look, Erica, this is what I want to know. When the hell are these white folks who support the Republicans are going to just stand the hell up? In my interview with Congressman Benny Thompson, he says, we got to go to the streets. The kids, the kids in Parkland went to the streets. Mm -hmm. Black mothers and black fathers have gone to the streets. Okay? The problem are these white folks who continue to vote for Republicans who say nothing yep. and who do nothing. Right.
Right. And, 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 and what really needs to be teased out is what does it mean to be a Republican? I, I don't know why, why there's just a clamoring to that uniform. Um, but here's, here's the other um, piece, Roland, that um, I'm just going to continue to really like hammer on the show much of the same way that you're hammering out that, listen, we are really in a crisis, is that there has got to be a public outcry mm -hmm. because just as you've laid out, there's not been a response from the party of Lincoln, from the party, uh, you know, that supposedly freed the slaves, from the party that um, is about family values. You know, I'm old enough to remember when they were the party of family values. So since that's clearly not the case and that some people are waking up at today years old and discovering that, I'm saying again, the onus is really back on the audience, on the public. What are you going to do? These individuals who, um, as Kimberly Ellis um, stated, elected, their job is to serve the public. When you look at an organizational chart of your city, at the top of that organizational chart is not the mayor of that city who oversees different departments. It is the residents. So again, I implore, especially for folks that are living in districts that are held by Republicans, if you are not affiliated with party, you're Democrat, whatever the case is, it is now up to you to put the pressure on that particular congressional legislator to let them know that, listen, you're not having it because no one knows the day, the hour, when it will be them. And it does not matter what your area code is. It doesn't matter what your zip code is. It does not matter what type of job you go to every day, that there has been a warrant that has been put out on black and brown folks. And there are people who may not even have a background of violence that will respond to the message that is a Trump Republican message. I'm saying that we have to now demand our legislators to do the right thing, which we are saying, as Dr. Abes has pointed out, is definitely to have much more heavier legislation because as a veteran who did serve this country, I did not see battle or combat, but I am telling you that military-grade style weapons do not belong on the civilian streets at all. Simple as that. So again, uh, folks, it's about Again, having some courage to stand up. Let me do this here. Uh, the uh, Shannon Watts, of course, she is founder of Moms Demand, the grassroots organization. Uh, this is what she tweeted. Uh, the House of Representatives passed a bill to require background checks on all gun sales. Now the Senate must act. So do this here, folks. Text checks, C-H-E-C-K-S. Text checks, C-H-E-C-K-S, to six. Four four three three. That's six four four three three to be connected with your senators to tell them to act on background checks. Moscow Mitch has refused to bring this bill to the full floor. Folks, this is a no brainer. It's a no brainer. So text the word C H E C K S to six four four three three. Want to thank Honey? I want to thank Erica. I want to thank Avis for joining me today uh, on our panel on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, if you want to support what we do, we have conversations, frankly, that are honest, that are frank, that you're not going to hear, frankly, on mainstream television. You're not going to hear on cable news. This is an unfiltered platform. This is a platform. We're not asking for, for permission to discuss what we talk about. And that's why we have been saying on this show for the last 11 months, white domestic terrorists. Yes. I am sick of these people 
when so when a when a Muslim kills somebody. Oh, Muslim extremists! Yet when a white boy goes out and kills people, it's oh, it's mental illness. Yeah. No, it's pure hatred. It it's is. racism. And we're going to call it what it is. We need your support. So go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Join our Brain Defunct fan club. Uh, you can you can join our fan club via PayPal, Square, or even Cash App. Every dollar that you give goes to support this show to make this possible. And I certainly appreciate all of you that have done so. All right, folks, I'll see you tomorrow from Miami from the National Association of Black Journalists Annual Convention. I'm Roland Martin. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.